For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Please be seated. Today we celebrate our patronal feast, the feast of St. Chad of Lichfield. St. Chad was a bishop and monk of the church in the 7th century who died in 672. He was raised in the ancient Celtic tradition and was a disciple of St. Aidan, the great missionary bishop of Lindisfarne. Chad's heart was for the Lord He loved the Lord so that his heart was also for the Lord's people. Chad came to realize that one cannot love the Lord without loving the Lord's people. And so love overflowed from the heart of Chad for his God and for the people of God. He thought not of himself, but of God. Not of himself, but of others. Chad is a wonderful example of, for us, particularly in this holy season of Lent, of someone who chose unity over division, mercy over anger and chose to be a servant rather than to seek greatness in this world. Chad was raised in the Celtic tradition. If he was alive today, he would be a Celtics fan. He loved the ways of the Celtic church. He found them superior to the growing influence in the West of the Roman church. His loyalty in his heart was to the Isle of Iona, which was the center of both monastic and the Celtic tradition, versus that of the newly established see in Canterbury, which represented the Roman tradition. And although he believed with all his heart in what he had received as a Celtic tradition, when the church in 664 AD decided to place itself under the growing authority of the Bishop of Rome in that day, he acquiesced to the decision of the church. As strongly as he felt for the Celtic tradition, it was not at that point a matter of doctrine. Chad believed that if the essentials of the faith or the word of God itself was being compromised, then he would have to stand even if by standing division was brought to the church. But if it was anything shy, 
of the essential faith of the church or the Word of God, that he would choose unity over division, no matter how strongly he felt. And so, although raised in the Celtic tradition, although a disciple of Aidan of Lindisfarne, he was humbled before his God and the church. He chose unity over division. Once he had done so, the new Archbishop of Canterbury, Theodore of Tarsus, who in his own right is one of the great saints of the church and was first to bring the diocesan model to what we now know as the United Kingdom of Great Britain, when Theodore of Tarsus took the see of Canterbury, Chad was already installed by the bishops of Britain as the archbishop in York, a great see itself, S-E-E, -E, meaning the chair of the bishop. Theodore immediately called into question the regularity of Chad's orders, being that Chad was appointed to this position not by Theodore. Chad could have stood up against Theodore, saying, I was placed here by legitimate bishops of the church according to the ancient Celtic tradition. I am the Archbishop of York. Instead, he chose mercy over anger and replied to Theodore in the greatest humility. If you believe that my consecration as a bishop was irregular, I will willingly resign the office, for I have never thought myself worthy of it anyway. I accepted it solely under obedience. I'm not sure I would have done the same. And yet, had I chosen anger over humility, I would have introduced at that time great division within the church over matters that were secondary. They were not matters of doctrine. The word of God was not here being challenged. I would have had some points to make. Many of those points would likely have been justified. But he chose humility and again humbled himself before the Lord and the church. Theodore was so moved by his humility that in tears he appointed him to be the Bishop of Litchfield. Chad humbled himself, and so God immediately raised him up. Rather than exalt himself before the Lord and the church, even if justified, he chose to be humble. And it was God who raised him up. He did not raise himself up. God raised him up. 
And he did wonderful things in Litchfield, including influencing that region so by bringing so many to Christ through the proclamation of the gospel that a cathedral was there built and is named after him. And one day, a young man, an even younger bride, named Steve and Monica, were married there. Chad also humbled himself before the king. The king, who was himself a Christian, when he would visit with Chad in his diocese, wished to ride by horseback throughout the diocese. Chad chose rather to walk. He didn't want to miss any small part of his diocese or any person that he might have ridden by more expediently. He felt that it wasn't his place to ride as if he were someone, but rather to walk as the apostles did when they were sent by their Lord to proclaim the good news. It was only when the king ordered him to ride that he would ride. Otherwise, he would walk. Chad chose not to be great in the ways of the world, but rather to be great by humbling himself in choosing to be a servant of others because he felt he could not love the Lord without loving others, God's people. He could not understand the Lord as greater than him if he did not understand everyone else as greater than him, for these are the ones whom the Lord humbled himself, knelt at their feet, and washed their feet. If the Lord, his Lord, did not consider himself greater than those whom he loved and served, who was Chad to consider himself to be of any greatness? Chad is a wonderful example for the church, not only our church, but for the whole church, and particular in this se- particularly in this season of Lent, when we contemplate the Lord, and we live out those words of John the Baptist, our, the patron saint of our archdeaconry, he must increase, and I must decrease. Choosing unity over division. In Genesis chapter 45, in, in verses 24 to 25, we hear the words of Joseph, son of Jacob. He is speaking to his brothers who had left him to die in a pit, believing him to be dead. He was rescued only to be sold into slavery in Egypt. Later, he became a friend of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh gave him great authority. And when his brothers came seeking help, not knowing that it was Joseph from whom they were seeking this help, because a great famine had come over the land, 
Joseph chose mercy rather than anger. He revealed himself to his brothers and sent them to bring his father Jacob to him. But he warned them as they were being sent out. See that ye fall not out among yourselves by the way. See that ye fall not out among yourselves by the way. That is, as you journey to bring to fruition the will of God, as you journey home to our land to bring Jacob our father, see that ye fall not out among yourselves by the way. This we must hear and receive into our hearts. For we too are on a journey to bring to fruition what God has entrusted to us. And it would be easy for us to fall out among ourselves on the way. But we must resist. We must choose unity over division. We must walk humbly with our God. Now, if it is a matter of doctrine or the word of God, then stand up. Do not sit down. Do not let your voice be silenced. If I, your priest, deny the Trinity or the divinity of Jesus, or if I say we're taking out the altar and we're just going to have praise songs and preaching, rise up. Rise up, O oh man. Do not be silenced. But if it's a secondary matter, then let your voice and opinion be known. Give it to God in prayer and to the church. But when the decision is made, follow the example of Chad, who followed the example of his master, Jesus. Choose unity over division. Choose to put your opinion away and to be humble before God in his church. Now, if in hearing these words, which come from the scripture and the example of our patron Chad, you feel your heart hardening, you got a problem. But not only you, but all of us, because we are a family. And when you harden your heart, it is not only you who are affected, but the whole church. See that you not fall out among yourselves by the way. Choose unity over division. This past week, I was in several meetings in Canada, and I raised something that I believe very strongly in. I brought my opinion to the table with the other archdeacons and the bishops. 
I made the point as clear as I could. People then began to speak against it. I said, perhaps I wasn't clear enough. And so I spoke to it again. At some point, we prayed. And following the prayer, the decision was made. And I was happy at that point. Do you know why? No, I didn't. I lost. But I believe that God's will was done. That he had spoken not through me as an individual, but through the whole. That somehow there must have been something in the plan that I was unable to see. And so I told them all, I rejoice with all of you. We must choose unity over division. Now, had they been denying something of the first order, something of the word of God, something of the doctrine, I still wouldn't be here. I'd be at that table, jumping up and down, yelling and screaming. But it wasn't something of the first order. And so I chose unity over division. What about choosing mercy over anger? We remember that Chad was removed from his see by Theodore. I find you irregular. I did not appoint you to this, so I am removing you from it. Chad responds with great humility. If you find me to be irregular, I will resign. Never thought myself worthy of it anyway. This is much like Jonah in Jonah chapter 4, verses 6 to 11, where Jonah chooses anger over mercy. God was sending Jonah to the Ninevites to call them to repentance. They were being called to a time of repentance, fasting, and to clothe themselves in ashes. Jonah was very angry that God would send them to the Ninevites. Do you know why? Because he was afraid that they would do just that, repent. And he didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't want them to repent because he knew that the Lord would be merciful. He knew that the Lord would be gracious unto the Ninevites. And so he hardened his heart before the Lord. He chose anger over mercy. Those wretched people, they deserve no mercy. They deserve not the compassion of the Lord. They deserve the wrath of God. Chapter 4, beginning at verse 6, And the Lord God prepared a gourd, a plant, and made it to come up over Jonah, that it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah so that he fainted. And he wished in himself to die and said to the Lord, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, 
Does thou well to be angry? Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And Jonah said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. Then the Lord said, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand? Like Chad, we could choose mercy. Or, so often, like me, we can choose anger. I've often chosen anger. Do you know why? Because I felt justified. I felt I was right. I chose anger instead of humility. I chose anger instead of mercy. Yes, God desires that the unworthy come to him and receive his worthiness. That those who are broken come to him and receive his healing. He desires that sinners come to him repenting and receive forgiveness. Much easier to choose anger than mercy. To choose your rights rather than to choose what God has called you to do. In doing so, we exalt ourselves. We choose the greatness of this world over being a servant after the example of our master. Remember, Chad chose to be a servant rather than to be great. He chose not to exalt himself, but to exalt the Lord by humbling himself. What does it matter if I were to become the next pope? By the way, I'm in the running. So are you. It's down to a net and myself. <laughs> what would it matter if I had all the world and didn't know how to be a servant? What would it matter if I had all justification but didn't know humility? What would it matter if I held all right doctrine but didn't know how to love my God enough that I saw him and everyone else as greater than myself. In Luke chapter 9, verse 44, Jesus says to his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of evil men. He calls his disciples to share with them that he who is Lord and God 
he who created all things, visible and invisible, shall be handed over to evil men, that he will be mocked and beaten, spit upon, nailed to a cross and die. Do you know their response? They began to ask one another, reasoning among themselves, who should be the greatest? In the very presence of their God, who came into this world not to exalt himself, but to humble himself. In the very presence of God, who came not to rule, but to serve. They argued among themselves, who was the greatest? Let's be honest. If I am a priest who, outside of matters of the faith or the word of God, exalt my opinion over what the greater church has discerned, I have chosen not the way of the Lord, but the way of Lucifer. For Lucifer was willing to serve the Lord as long as he found it not to be under his dignity. If I choose anger rather than mercy, let's face it, I choose not to be an icon of Jesus Christ, my Lord, but to be an image of Lucifer, who chose anger even unto death. Let's face it, if I choose to be a priest who seeks the greatness of this world rather than to be an icon of my Lord as servant, then I choose not to follow my Lord but Lucifer. But you must not be fooled either. See that ye fall not out among yourselves by the way. See that ye show mercy. See that you think not of yourself more highly than you ought, but of the Lord and his people. I leave you with this thought in this holy season of Lent. Have you ever been far away from home and run into someone that you didn't know? And in your conversation, you discover that they're the brother or sister or the spouse or the father or the mother or the son or daughter of someone whom you love greatly and respect. And immediately your heart begins to fill up with joy that you've made this connection with this person and they are immediately of value to you because they are of such value to the person you love so much. 
Has that ever happened to you? Like if you were somewhere, like if I were somewhere on a trip and I was to help someone uh, that I met on the road and as we talked it turned out that they were Bishop Charlie's son or grandson, Isaiah, uh, whom he speaks, not Isaiah, but that's close, Isaiah. And I would say, Ah, it is so great, your, your grandfather, the bishop, just speaks so highly of you. It's so, what a wonderful thing to meet you. Have you ever felt that joy of meeting someone? And they're immediately special to you, and you rejoice in them? You have no idea if they're an idiot or not. But you rejoice in them because they're so important to that person whom you love. Look around you. Right now. See that person? They're absolutely loved and cherished by someone whom you claim you love and cherish above all others. And that is, they are loved and cherished by our God. It doesn't matter so much if they're an idiot. What matters is they're loved by God. That they are special to Him. So in this season of Lent, let us seek not to exalt ourselves, but to humble ourselves for the honor and glory of God. And if we truly seek to love God, let us love those whom he loves. Humble yourself before the Lord in his church. Choose mercy over anger. Seek to be a servant rather than to be great. For then... If you do these things, shall you be an icon of Christ. And there you shall find your true worth, value, and dignity. For he who exalts himself shall be humbled. And he who humbles himself shall be exalted, saith the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.